Welcome to episode 37 of Special Situation Investing. Today we're going to consider an announcement made by Jeffrey's Financial Group, ticker symbol JEF. On July 19th, Jeffries gave a press release announcing a few strategic corporate transactions with the goal of simplifying its corporate structure and enabling it to focus on building its investment banking and capital markets businesses. There are three proposed changes. The company announced first a tax-free spinoff of its holding of Vitis Energy, second, the sale of its holdings in Idaho Timber, and lastly, the merger of its two SEC reporting companies, Jefferies Group LLC and Jefferies Financial Group Incorporated. The history of Jefferies Financial Group begins in 1979, when the company's two founders took control of Talcott National Corporation. A year later, the company was renamed Lucadia National Corporation. Throughout its 40-year history, Lucadia acquired and divested numerous companies and interests mainly within the finance, mortgage, and investment sectors. In 2013, the company merged with Jeffries Group, a global investment banking corporation, and in 2018, it rebranded itself as Jeffries Financial Group. While the cursory research I did on Jeffries showed it to be a fascinating company in its own right, it's not the topic of today's episode. One important reason is because it falls outside of my circle of competence. Our topic today is the proposed spin-off of Vitis Energy. This spin-off is consistent with Jeffrey's goal of reducing what it calls its legacy merchant banking section, a collection of odds and ends investments acquired over the years of which Vitis is a part. Jeffrey's latest investor's presentation shows that this black sheep collection of investments includes oil and gas, telecom, real estate, wood products, and other sundry investments. As it seeks to narrow its focus onto investment banking and capital markets, Jeffries has slowly divested these holdings over the years. As recently announced, Vitis Energy and Idaho Timber are the next on the chopping block. Post spinoff, Vitis Energy Incorporated will be a standalone company listed on the New York Stock Exchange. The spinoff is expected to be distributed tax-free on a pro-rata basis to all shareholders of a record date yet to be determined and completed by the end of 2022. If you've listened to past episodes of this podcast, you'll know that because of today's environment of high inflation, we're particularly interested in companies that can benefit from exposure to hard assets, but also have low CapEx business models. Vitis Energy initially caught my attention because its business model is based on what's called non-operator working interests in the oil and gas sector. I was curious whether a non-operator business model is comparable to a business model based on royalties with hard asset exposure, but low capex. Unfortunately, because Vitis is a private company and a subsidiary of Jefferies, detailed information on the company is not readily available. Beyond listing its executive team, board of directors, and a collection of their quotes about the company, Vitis's website doesn't provide much enlightening information. The little I was able to find, and more so from investor presentations, annual and quarterly reports, and press releases from Jeffrey's website, revealed the following data. Vitis Energy is currently a 97% owned, consolidated subsidiary of Jeffries that acquires, invests, and monetizes non-operated working interests and royalties predominantly in the Bakken Shale of the Williston Basin in North Dakota. 
Vitis Energy's interests in flowing wells and drilling spacing units, DSUs, are operated by many of the U.S.'s leading operators. The undeveloped acreage within its DSUs is expected to be developed via new horizontal wells in the future by Vitis Energy's operating partners. Vitis Energy has acquired 47,200 net acres of leaseholds and has an interest in over 5,500 producing wells with current production as of November 2021 of over 10,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day. Vitis Energy also has 865 gross wells that are currently drilling, completing, or permitted for future drilling. As of May 31, 2022, Vitis had a net book value and a net tangible book value of $427 million. Vitis Energy has a revolving credit facility with a syndicate of banks that matures in April 2023 and has a maximum borrowing base of $140 million as of November 30, 2021. Vitis Energy was established in 2013 with an original equity investment of $50 million, which was increased to $350 million in 2014 and $500 million in 2018. It has generated over $140 million in gap net income to date from its assets. So, what in fact is a non-operator, and what is a non-operator working interest? Well, LawInsider.com defines a non-operator working interest as an interest in any oil and natural gas lease held by a party who is a non-operator with respect to such oil and natural gas lease. That didn't help much but further research was enlightening. As it turns out, a large percentage of oil and gas projects are undertaken as joint ventures, or JVs. JVs are when two or more parties agree to work together on a project, each with defined roles. The parties usually include one with operator working interests who execute the daily tasks on site, and one or more other parties with non-operator working interests. These non-operators provide capital, and share in expenses, but do not participate in the daily on-site activity. So, like royalty companies, non-operators provide capital to the operators. But unlike royalty companies that just sit back and collect checks, non-operators are responsible for their share of ongoing expenses. That fact alone reveals a large disadvantage within the non-operator model compared with that of a royalty model. The advantage of exposure to the increasing price of hard assets during times of high inflation can be severely reduced or even fully offset by simultaneous increases in expenses. While reading the quarterly call transcript of a coal mining company earlier this week, I ran across a current example of the high expense increases operator-type companies are witnessing today. The company stated they were seeing increases of 25-35% to in costs of operating supplies and materials, repairs, and major equipment rebuilds. Increases like that can severely eat into profit margins. Next, I found a concrete comparison between a royalty company and a non-operator company instructive. Because I couldn't find public financial reports on Vitis Energy, I did the next best thing and used a comparable company. Northern Oil and Gas Incorporated, ticker symbol NOG is the largest non-operated EMP in the U.S. and is publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange. In their Q2 report, they write, 
Our primary strategy is to invest in non-operated minority working and mineral interests in oil and gas properties, with a core area of focus in the premier basins within the United States. So far, sounds pretty similar to Vitis Energy. And they continue, Using this strategy, we have participated in 7,957 gross producing wells as of June 30th, 2022. As of June 30th, 2022, we had leased approximately 251,409 net acres, of which approximately 87% were developed and all were located in the United States. Comparing Northern Oil and Gas as our non-operator company and Texas Pacific Land, TPL, as our oil and gas royalty company proves eye-opening. In the six months ending on June 30th of 2022, TPL produced a total revenue of $323 million, with total operating expenses of $48 million, resulting in a net income of $216 million. While over the same period, NOG produced revenues of $408 million, with operating expenses of $327 million, resulting in a net income of $44 million. And, importantly, these results were produced by TPL with zero debt, while NOG had $1.1 billion in debt on their books. Taking it a step further, plugging the ticker symbols of both of these companies into StockRow.com and comparing their 10-year track records reveals TPL's record of positive and growing net income, while 5 out of the 10 years, NOG had negative net income. And TPL's outperformance required minuscule, if any, debt at all. This research answered my question about whether an oil and gas non-operator business model is comparable to a business model based on royalties, with hard asset exposure but low capex. While yes, both benefit from hard asset exposure, it's clear that non-operator business models do not offer the same level of low capex advantage as do most royalty companies. All that being said, Vites could prove a valuable buy for some investors given the right price. A helpful tactic in determining if a company is cheap is comparing it to a competitor or a comparison company. For example, with Vites, you could use Northern Oil and Gas. Additionally, this spin-off situation has the potential to produce selling pressure on Vites post-spin-off. A couple reasons for this. Number one, the market cap of Vites is likely to be orders of magnitude smaller than that of Jeffries. Some owners of Jeffrey's stock may not be able to or allowed to hold a stock of Vitis's size. Number two, some holders of Jeffrey's stock may simply not want to own an oil and gas stock. For some, it will be outside of their area of expertise, and for others, it will not align with their ESG priorities. For these reasons, we will be looking for more information to be released on Vitis Energy in the months ahead, as well as watching for forced selling post spinoff. As always, we will continue to bring you episodes on this special situation as it unfolds. That concludes today's episode of the show. As always, we hope you enjoyed it and found it educational and helpful as you build your own wealth. We look forward to bringing you more special investing situations as well as financial independence tactics in coming episodes.